Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by From Within Records. Did you get a copy of the From Within Records zine? If you didn't, you probably aren't following them on social media. So please do yourself a favor. Go to Twitter, go to Instagram, follow From Within Records so you can stay up to date with awesome news. Shout out to everybody that got a copy of the zine. Shout out to everybody who's been listening to the Despise Demo 2. I hope all of you guys are rocking with it. Such an awesome band. And I can't wait for the merch to drop on December 27th. So please keep an eye out on that. Also, new music on the way. Shout out MH Chaos coming out with a new record in 2021. They're hitting the studio very soon. Warren coming out of the Scranton Wilkes-Barre area, the Human Work LP. Expecting a new record from Shackled, Payback Discography on CD, so much awesome stuff on the way. So please support From Within Records because they support us. On today's episode, guys, we made it. Episode 200, this has been a a journey. I'm stoked and happy that everybody is here, still rocking, still supporting us. It's uh, such an amazing thing i I truly appreciate everybody every single one of you out there who's subscribed who streams it from wherever apple music uh spotify uh wherever the website i'm just truly grateful and i'm just very happy and very thankful to have your continued support i wanted to do something very special obviously for a lot of you who've been around the episode 100 special we traveled to disneyland with 197 Media, shout out Steven, and we had to track down Jeremy from Fury. That was really important to me. Fury's an important band. So for 200, I had to track down somebody who I truly respect and sings for a band that is very special to me. So I had Scott Vogel, frontman for Terror. He's also sings for World Be Free, Buried Alive, Slugfest, Despair. You guys, you guys know Scott Vogel if you're here, but I, I was just truly, truly inspired and just really grateful that Scott was willing to come on the podcast. We briefly mentioned it on air, but we had bigger plans for episode 200, but due to just a lot of circumstances out of our control, we weren't able to execute everything, but Scott really wanted to do the podcast still, um, even though he was in the midst of moving. And he was a, a man of his word. He, he told me, hey, once I get settled in Buffalo, I, I want to do the podcast. And I I really respect him for keeping his word because a, lo- a lot of times when you meet people and you're starting these new relationships, uh, you know, there's a certain level of trust and your word is bond in the very beginning because you don't have a whole lot to go off of. So there has to be just that level of trust. So he said that to me and he, he lived up to it. And I am truly grateful for Scott coming on the podcast and being so gracious with his time and just being an open book and willing to talk about whatever. So I know a lot of you guys out there are fans of terror. So this conversation was really fun for me. I, I seriously, if you told me way back in 2002, when I was sitting there, with my sister at our computer and she was showing me hardcore for the first time that years later, 18 years later that I was going to be sitting down with one of, with a singer from one of my favorite bands ever. I would not have believed you one bit. I would have thought this was just like some weird lie. So this was such an awesome moment for me. And I seriously hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So please, without further ado, welcome Scott Vogel to the show. 
All right, and we're live. Welcome to the podcast, Scott. <laughs> How's it going? It's going pretty good. Pretty good. Can't complain. How are you? I'm doing good. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I, uh, I, I think back to when I first hit you up, and obviously, um, it's, it's not really like public, but um, we had plans to do like a, a video podcast, and things just didn't work out for one reason or another. But you you told me uh, that once you got settled in in Buffalo that you would um, want to do the podcast. And I, I I thought that was cool, but I wasn't sure if it was like going to actually happen because, you know, a lot of times people get too busy or people don't really mean what they say. But when you messaged me the other day to let me know that you were ready and down to do the podcast, that actually meant a lot to me. because I'm like, OK, damn, this guy's actually like true to his word. So I'm like really stoked that we're sitting here doing this today. Well... I'm happy to be here. I'm a fan of your podcast. I've listened to several, not all of them, but several of them. Um, I would have loved to have done it in LA and uh, the way we planned on it, but it just so happened I was moving across the country and that was honestly stressful and a lot to take care of. So it just didn't work out. But as soon as I uh, got my life together here, I hit you up and here we are. So I like your setup. That's a nice, that's the same mic that I used to record vocals with and stuff. So you're like pro, huh? Uh, not by like, it wasn't like intentional because I honestly have this equipment because uh, I used to uh, stream on Twitch. So um, this wasn't my first microphone. I, I started with like a, like a cheaper one. And then I, I got to a certain point at Twitch where I got like too comfortable and I got lazy and I stopped doing it. And I got way more into podcasting, like listening to podcasts. So one day I just thought about it. I'm like, dude, I have all this equipment. I should try doing a podcast. And then like after a year of doing it with like my original mic, I was like, all right, I want to take this serious. So I upgraded to the mic that I have now. And did you, you're the first person I've done a podcast with that has their hood up. And I know it's not because you're cold. So in my mind, you're like, this is going to, this podcast is going to be hardcore as fuck. I better put my hood up. If I'm being honest, um, so I, uh, <laughs> right now I'm uh, in Orange County and it actually is really cold because it, it's winter time and it's it's like kind of early. It's like what, like ten in the morning here. Um, so I actually I'm wearing sweats and a hoodie and a beanie just to try to stay warm. I'm, that's cool, but I'm going with my idea. Okay, all right, hoods up because this a- is uh, really hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> right, and if you want, I could show you out my window here is snow. And make you feel a little less cold. Oh wow! Yeah, see, yeah, my version of cold is way different than people like you know on the other side of the country because uh, we I, I can't remember the, the last time we got I I think the only time we've ever gotten snow here was probably like before I was born like besides up in the mountains. One year ago, like almost exactly a year ago, my girlfriend and I for Christmas 2018 uh, stayed at the jo- at, we went to Joshua Tree and got an Airbnb. Okay. And it was, you know, obviously in the desert and um, the weather was kind of like cold and rainy. And on the last day when we were leaving, it started like snowing, like crazy, like really hard. And it was like insane. Like I remember, and this was the day we're driving back to L.A. And um, it was dumping snow in California, which was bizarre to me. And I stopped at a Starbucks and the workers there like yelled at me. They're like, what are you doing? Like they were acting like the world was ending. And to me, it's kind of not the world's ending. So, but, you know, 10 minutes later when we got on the, the 10 or whatever, the highway, 
and we're right back to beautiful California weather. So it was really bizarre. Yeah, I, I, I'm always because I, I, I grew up in the Palm Springs area. So whenever anybody mentions like out there or Joshua Tree, it, it's always uh, interesting to me that people would travel out there to you know have vacation or just like you know kind of have like some leisure time. So I, I'm just curious, do you guys go out there because you like like that area, like the desert, and you wanted to be out in nature, or is it because it was hip? <laughs> well, we we've gone to Big Bear a lot. That okay. was our go-to spot, and that's like to pretend you're not in the city like to, well i guess actually it's not pretend to be out in the woods in california um i mean that's one of the reasons why i moved out of la is it's just like just being around a million people all the time in the cities just got to me so uh to escape to big bear was nice but we you know we we went there like five times so it was plus my girlfriend has pretty good taste and she's like into interior decorating and stuff so you can find some really cool uh airbnbs in joshua tree and and uh you know i always try to go for a fireplace so we can burn some wood and and it's just basically not to be in la there's a building up there called the integratron have you heard of it no is this joshua tree yeah yeah it's in joshua tree Okay. It's so like uh, allegedly like the guy who built it got like the blueprints from aliens and when oh, you're shit. and when you're inside cuz it's like a weird like dome shaped building and like when you're inside like the acoustics are like perfect like you could be across the room from somebody and not not even have to yell and you can hear them perfectly. Is this just kind of someone's house like on their property? Uh yeah, yeah, the guy just built it. You know, I have seen, I'll, I'll bring this up to my girlfriend when I talk to her after this. We do, I do remember when we drove through there, because we've gone there like a couple of times now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, we've seen some crazy houses. So maybe we drove by and didn't even know what it was. But um, if my memory serving correctly, we drove past a really weird domey shaped thing on someone's property. And we're like, what the fuck was that? So maybe that was it. That was it. You guys drove past the aliens. Well, she'll, I mean, I don't really care about that stuff, but she's like uh, obsessed with uh, what's the Mulder and Scully thing? Oh, X-Files? Uh, X-Files. I've, I've never so, seen yeah. it. So she's all into that. Okay. Um, kind of want to start off when Buried Alive ended. You, uh, That's when you kind of plan to move to California, if I remember correctly. Yep, that's correct. So I'm um, going to give you the story or you got a question for me. I, I'm just here. Why you decided to move to California? Cause you were you know, uh, in New York for a, a while. So what was, uh, or where did the idea come from to actually just move across the United States? So I lived, I was born in Buffalo, lived here, I believe till I was 29. That's when buried alive ended, I believe. And, uh, I was dating a girl that lived in Chicago and, uh, we kind of wanted to be together, but I didn't really want to move to Chicago and she really didn't want to move to Buffalo. And I believe, um, I believe, so we're talking like 20 years, 22 years ago, 21 years ago. So everything's a little bit hazy, but I believed, um, realistically just, uh, from touring you know you you live in a city like buffalo which is nice but it's a small city and then you go on tour with your band and you see all these different places all over the country it doesn't surprise me that a person would say like 
you come back to Buffalo and be like, man, I was in California. That was so beautiful. I want to go there. So I, I think it was something like that. Okay. And <clears throat> excuse me. And once you got to California, did you already have like a solid network of friends? Because obviously, I, I assume you like you know, met people while like being on tour. But once you moved out there with your girlfriend and settled in, did you already have like a circle of friends, or did that just kind of come gradually over time? Well, what we did is, um, I had a friend named Mark who was a friend of mine in Buffalo, and he uh, on the on the very last Buried Alive tour. Um, he had moved to Arizona. Uh, I don't want to put too much of his business out there, but he moved to Arizona, Phoenix, the Phoenix area, Mesa, Arizona, with his girlfriend at the time. And uh, he had some money that he got from, um, he was in a car accident. So he had some money. See, I don't want to put his business out there, but I'm just putting his business out there. He had some money that he got from a car accident. And his girlfriend got accepted to a college in uh, Arizona. So he moved out there with her and they, he bought a brand new house. And within like six months, they broke up and she moved back to Buffalo. So he, he was out there in this brand new house by himself. And when Buried Alive was on tour for the last time, and I knew it was the last time. No one knew except me. I knew I was going to quit when I got home. And uh, when we, we stayed with him, and um, I think I told him, Hey, when I get back from this tour, I'm quitting and moving to California. And he said, uh, I don't know exactly how it went down, but he was, uh, I didn't know where I was moving. It was like San Diego, LA, San Francisco. I didn't know. It was kind of like I'm free for all. And he offered, he was like, Hey, I have this brand new house. I'm here by myself. Why don't you come here and live here? and figure out what you're going to do. So we actually um, loaded up a U-Haul and lived in Arizona for six months. And kind of, we went and visited San Diego, LA, San Francisco, and we're kind of up in the air about what we're going to do. And in my mind, I was done with bands. I um, My first band, Slugfest, broke up because the drummer quit to be in Snapcase, and that was a real bum out. But right away, I started my next band, Despair, who we started doing stuff and we went to Europe and we toured the U S uh, the end of that band was like touring the U S with Hatebreed, which was incredible. I mean, it wasn't a huge tour, but, but for me at the time it was incredible. And on that tour, Tony victory flew out to, uh, we played the barn in uh, Riverside, California and Tony victory came out and he signed Hatebreed and asked despair to do a seven inch. And at that time being on victory was by far the, the best thing for a hardcore band in my opinion you know some people would have you know maybe we took a more diy route but if you but it but in my head that was a like a an amazing situation and right after that tour we went to europe so i was like super high on the band we just went to europe we just toured the u.s for the first time we went to you know a full u.s tour we had this record coming out on victory supposedly coming out on victory and two band members quit. So that kind of deflated me even more directly into Buried Alive. And the band um, by far did the most I ever did with a band and what I would consider was the best band I was in. And, um, you know, within a year, maybe two years, that band broke up. And, and I, that broke up by me quitting just because in my opinion, the band was changing too much and kind of getting away from hardcore. And I just 
wasn't feeling it anymore. So I quit and I was moving to the West Coast and never be in a band again. And, you know, that all sounds kind of dramatic, but in my head, I was just like bummed out on like I did all these bands and they would always fucking break up. And I was just going to be a normal person or something like that. And then I got this call about terror starting and that's why I moved to LA and here we are fucking 20 years later. Holy shit. So there's a chance that you could have just like just left hardcore. Like you were that bummed out and jaded. I mean, in my head, yes, I was just, I, I wouldn't say I was going to leave hardcore. Cause when I was in Arizona, I was going to every show. I, mm-hmm. I just was so frustrated on bands of mine getting a little bit of momentum and putting all this work in and then people just quitting whether it was because they got a girlfriend and didn't care anymore whether they decided hardcore wasn't for them whether they went on tour and decided living in a van was disgusting or also that i was kind of crazy and like a band nazi and super like it's got to be my way or no way at all so i do take some um uh, blame take take some of the blame for why these people probably quit because I was pretty crazy back then just like I just wanted to do the band so bad and and put everything into it and you just can't expect everyone to be on that same page so would I have left hardcore probably not but in my mind I was just bummed out on being in a band so that little stint in Arizona when you're going to um, all those shows did, did people recognize you because I assume back then, like, uh, you know, there wasn't really, um, you know, uh, social media or anything like that. So when you would pop up, were you able to just like, go in there and just um, enjoy the show? Or were people like recognizing you and curious why you're in Arizona? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think the whole scene knew who I was, but I had played there with Despair once and Buried Alive probably played in Phoenix two or three times. So I definitely had made some friends and also... Uh, some people recognize me. So it was definitely like, what the fuck? I I can remember going to a show there and people being like, what the fuck are you doing here? Um, But yeah, it is what it is. So you mentioned uh, you got the call to to start terror. Um, What was that like? Because you were talking about how you were, uh, you know, going with the mindset of not doing bands. But when you get this call to have to kind of start that whole process over again, to build up a new band, um, what was going through your mind at that point? Well, first, when I got out there, I got a call from Reesh from 100 Demons, and he asked me to sing for 100 Demons, and I was just like, that's that's like another crazy thing in my mind. What if I would have said yes, turned around, went back to Buffalo or Massachusetts or Connecticut and was in 100 Demons? That's always like a crazy what-if scenario. Mm-hmm. But at that point, I was just like, I just moved across the country. I can't do it. Thank you, but I can't do it. Um And I was still, uh, I was just working a job telemarketing and like I said, figuring out where in California we were going to end up. And um, when I went and stayed in Southern California, I, uh, to, to investigate uh, what, if this was the right place, um, I stayed with Dave Mandel who does Indecision Records. So, so like you were asking when I moved out, to the west coast did i have friends yes of of course i had made friends through hardcore um you know i knew the people in throwdown and 18 visions and um 
Dave Mandel and people that had moved to California from all over the place, you know. Um, but when I stayed there, uh, at the time, my friend Larry, who's from Buffalo, who sang in a band called Envy and worked at Revelation, um, he lived with Mandel and uh, he gave me this cassette and he uh, said, I really, really, this was a time when Throwdown, 18 Visions, all that, that scene was really the predominant thing in hardcore and more traditional sounding hardcore was kind of taking a back seat to it. Um, and he gave me this tape and he said, I think you're going to really like this. And it was a uh, carry on a lifeless plagued on one side and the no warning seven inch on the other side and carry on. I wasn't familiar with at all. I had never even maybe heard the word. No warning. I definitely knew because they were from Toronto. I was from Buffalo. I had knew Jordan and I knew Ben and uh, Buried Alive had played shows with uh, their band before that called As We Once Were. And I actually saw No Warning play up in Toronto. Um, maybe they had a demo out, but I didn't get their seven inch. And I got that tape and it like really blew both those records to this day. I love they're both amazing and it was just like this tape that I was listening to all the time and then I got this strange phone call on my answering machine from um John LaCroix who was the uh guitarist I believe he played guitar maybe bass he was in 10 yard fight from the east coast so a guy I had had known, uh, you know, not really well, but, you know, our bands played together. Hey, what's up? Shit like that. And I got this is before cell phones. And I got a, a phone call on my answering machine in Arizona. And he was like, hey, this is John LaCroix. Uh, I heard you're moving to L.A. or California or something. I started this new band with the drummer and guitarist of carry on and i was and we want you to sing and i was like what the fuck like uh crazy timing blah 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 so i um said yeah i'm interested so i i got in my car and drove the five or six hours by myself to uh try out or meet i don't i don't know i don't know how you just get together with those guys and it was going to be John LaCroix on bass, Todd Jones on guitar, and Nick Jett on drums. Who, those two I, I didn't know anything about. And I drove and showed up, and LaCroix did not show up. And I got together with Nick and Todd, and uh, I, I want to say they played some songs for me, and we went out after and hung out. And they were definitely younger than me. And uh, I... I just knew I could just tell that it was going to be, and, and I knew from the carry on record and I wanted to, you know, make sure that Nick played his drums hard and fast and could play a proper drum beat, like a fast drum beat. Cause I've always been of the uh, mindset. If you're in a hardcore band and your drummer doesn't play fast and hard, it's not going to be all that great. That's just my opinion. And um, yeah, I, I think I said, I'll do it. And then went back in, in, tried to sh steer the ship to LA and I moved to North Hollywood in 2002, 2001. And then Tara put out the demo and yeah, that's that. That's crazy. <clears throat> Just to think about <laughs> like uh, that long ago and how all that came together. Cause uh, 
you know, to just to be able to track you down back then, I, I think it's pretty interesting. And to leave a, a voicemail on an answering machine, I, I'm, I'm not even sure if a lot of kids these days even know what an answering machine is because people think of like voicemail. But back in the day, like you had like right. this thing attached to your landline that would have to record like these missed calls. So I, I think that's crazy to hear about you getting a, a, a like an, a message on your answering machine way back then. Ian Larrabee from Reach the Sky, who's another Boston band, was one of my really, really tight friends. So I got to thank John LaCroix, two Boston hardcore kids. He got my number from him. That's a total guess, but that's Mm -hmm. if I had a guess, that's what it would be. Yeah. And that's insane that they're able to track you down and, you know, kind of like set this. Uh, you know, path for you because you think about like how long you've been doing terror. It's and it's definitely insane and cool. It's fucking insane for sure. And I think about too, if I never got that tape from Larry, he would have called me and said, "I'm starting this band for two guys from Carry On." I would have said, "Oh, some band I never heard of. Oh, I'm not really that interested." But it was like literally at the same month where I was just like, "Holy shit, who is this band? It's amazing." Mm-hmm. And and. That band uh, Carry On broke up, and they just really never came back and did any kind of reunion up, up until this point. They played. I they did do a reunion at the yeah. Showcase Theater. Uh, I know Tara was out of town on tour, so they did. You know, I, I know they broke up because the straight uh, the singer sold out Straight yeah. Edge, and the rest of the band were like, "Okay, we can't be a band anymore." But I'm ninety nine percent sure they did do a show at showcase theater after that but if i'm wrong i'm wrong oh you, you could be right because there's so many shows because when i think of showcase like my vision's so blurry like i can barely remember the shows that i even attended so um I, yeah i'm right there with you uh well i i guess we can uh talk about the showcase theater like that was probably like like my favorite venue in southern california when it was around I, i'm not sure if it was, i was biased because it was the closest one like the like closest one to where i live because i grew up in the palm springs area so we'd have to kind of make a mission to get to shows we'd either have to go to the inland empire hit showcase theater or drive out to orange county hit chain reaction or go out into la and hit whatever was going on out there uh, but the showcase theater was like super awesome, and I was super bummed when it had to close down forever ago. When Terror started, that was some. Well, I had played there with Buried Alive before, at least once, maybe twice. But um, yeah, some ama- Terror shows there in the early days when it was still open were amazing, and I used to go to shows there a lot. In for me, living in the valley in uh in north hollywood or sherman oaks or wherever the whole time i lived in la which was like 20 years i stayed in the area from burbank to sherman oaks which is not far at all i always lived in the area but getting to the showplace theater wasn't like for me coming from buffalo there's never traffic here you know you know if there's an accident or maybe at rush hour but to drive for like 40 miles and for it to take two hours was like something I couldn't wrap my head around them. We'd just sit in traffic, dead stop traffic for so long. And I would just be like, why would anyone put themselves through this? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, after years, you just realize this is how it is. Deal with it. Or you just don't go. Or if you're going to go to a show at the Showcase Theater, definitely don't leave at like five o'clock either go early or go later or, or whatever you just learn how to deal with it but yeah what a great venue the layout was perfect 
Oh, fucking awesome. I've seen so many cool shows there. What was it like uh, filming that uh, DVD way back when? That was, um, you're talking about the terror thing yeah. um, that Bridge Nine put out. Mm-hmm. Um, if I remember correctly, uh, I don't know how it all came together, but Ian, the bass player for Blood for Blood, who has gone on to do like, uh, he did that Agnostic Front documentary, The Godfather's a Hardcore. Mm-hmm. He's, I think he did a Slapshot documentary um, and he's done tons of music videos, but that was his first music video he ever did. I'm not sure if we asked him or if he kind of had the idea, but, um, you know, I knew the people in Blood for Blood from Buried Alive times and East Coast times. And one of the very first tours Terror ever did was Blood for Blood asked us to do a it was a shorter thing, like 10 days. Um, I think it was from across the country, but I, I think they probably ended a bigger tour in California and then did shows back home and took us with them, which for us was fucking amazing. And um, he came out here and we filmed a push, uh, a, like a music video or whatever you call those things for Push It Away, which was filmed in Nick's garage um he painted all the walls black and bought this like light and it was super dark in the room and had this one light and we also played a show at headline records which was i think a still but was on melrose at the time and all that shopping stuff in hollywood a tiny record store and we played a a floor show there which was fucking great so he got the like shots in the room by ourselves or whatever you call that shit and then um some live shit at headline and um he made a music video and i think at the same weekend we played that a show at the showcase theater and he filmed the whole thing and then somehow later you know bridge nine's from boston he's from ian's from boston uh bridge nine worked out i i don't know all the details um but uh bridge nine put that out on dvd and then put out the live audio on vinyl I think it's cool to have that set uh, filmed because you think about that was back in 2002 and I feel like a, a lot of things that you've said on stage at that show still like kind of holds true and just to kind of get that snippet so early on on what terror um, was like and to me um, it, it, you guys haven't uh, shifted too far from that which I think is cool to be able to uh, uh, to maintain that same image and you know stay true to your words for so long so for people that haven't checked it out you can go look it up it's on YouTube because I, I watched it recently uh, you know, just look at like Terror Showcase Theater. So it's it's definitely pretty interesting and kind of cool to be able to kind of like peer back into the past. Hmm. Uh, I got to be honest, I have no idea what I I believe. I think I have a no warning long sleeve on. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's okay. Oh, wait, That's no, the only no, thing I know. You, uh, no, that one you're wearing um uh, the Roots T-shirt. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, I don't know what I said, but hopefully it wasn't. You, you seem to think it was semi uh, cool and smart. So I'll, I'm happy with that. Maybe there, I'll check it out one day. I got to be honest, <laughs> me sitting down and watching a terror set is sounds like a nightmare because I've done it like 5 million times. So I probably won't, but uh, I'm glad it's out there. Uh, no, I, I totally get it. I, I, I think it would be a little strange if you like loved it, <laughs> you know, to, to just like tune in and want to show people. Um, sit home and watch a terror set. Yeah, the, there's something that that you said. I'll, I'll give you like a little refresher. You were um, it was like in between songs. 
you were uh, naming uh, bands or members from bands that were there that night. And you were talking about how uh, these guys coming out and are supporting hardcore and that's fucking awesome. And, you know, to, for, for people who are at home, like fuck them, we're not going to, you know, give support to people who aren't supporting like actual hardcore in real time. And I, I thought about that. I'm like, that's so crazy to think that uh, there were so many members from all these prominent bands actually, you know, just at a normal hardcore show. It wasn't like some big fest or any kind of big celebration. It was just a hardcore show at the showcase theater. And for everybody to show out and actually want to support the show and hardcore in the scene was awesome. So like, um, for what you said, I, I think it's totally true. Like, you know, it's, it's weird when people uh, want to support, but won't give it back in return. Yeah, I always got weirded out, like, um, when you'd see people in heart, you know, I, I don't want to go down this Mr. Righteous, I'm more hardcore than everybody, because I've done that before, and sometimes it comes off corny to me. But I guess the, the moral of the story is, if you're in a band and you only go to shows when your band's playing, I think that's really not what hardcore's about. I think it's, you got to support other things, and, and not not just because you want to be there and be seen, but uh, you feel that this, the shows are important and they need people there. I mean, I know what it's like to still to play to an empty room. And, um, you know, if you don't go out and support other bands, how the fuck can you expect people to support your band? And I just always felt it was weird when I would, you know, you know, go to shows in LA all the time or all over California. And then you'd see these bands and it'd be people that you'd be like, I've never seen this guy before in my life. Like that would always be weird to me. Mm -hmm. it, it was a, a little strange for me because I, I moved to orange County in 2010. So I, it was like a whole new thing for me. Cause obviously like I, I, you know, go to shows, but I wouldn't really like socialize. So when I actually moved and going to a show was like, you know, driving 20 minutes versus uh, two hours round trip uh, before I moved there, um, it, it was a, like a little strange for me to uh, to start recognizing people. Because for me, I, I would just want to go pay my money, get some merch, see the bands and then, you know, race home so I could try to get enough sleep to go to go to work or school the next day. But once I moved here and started like, you know, recognizing people and like uh like seeing you from time to time, I was like, holy shit, that's Scott Vogel. Like he actually goes to like <laughs> these normal shows. And like, it, it was like, um, I had to like make an adjustment. I'm like, okay, like he's actually like, just like a normal hardcore dude. Cause like it, before I, I moved out here, when I would see you, it'd only be at like terror shows. Uh, so to see you at like a program show, I was like, oh, this is crazy. He actually just, just roll out and actually cares about hardcore. He wants to see these younger bands and actually show support. Uh, that's very true. And I, I would say that goes for everyone in terror. Like um, Nick and Martine live in LA as in the LA area as well. And so many times we'll just meet up and go to shows or I'll see it. You know, Martine is everywhere all the time. He's like Mr. Social, but uh, yeah, I mean, I uh, just, it's just important to me and I still love it and I still care about it. And, and uh especially a, a venue like program. is so fucking cool. Like, I, I gotta be honest. I'm, I'm uh, you know, when I was younger, I would watch every minute of every band set and fucking mosh all the time. And just, you know, it was a little bit different to me then. I, I, I was more of a, uh, involved in every band set. Now I'm a little older and I'll always, uh, check out a song or two and, and stuff like that. But, 
sometimes I'm just hanging out outside, but I still want to be part of it and want to see the bands and, and make sure that there's people there for the bands and, and stuff like that. So sometimes I'm just a little bit more distant now. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I totally get it. I'm uh, a little bit older these days. So when I go out to shows, I'm not, uh, you know, in the pit for every breakdown or two step. I'm, <laughs> I'm just, you know, I, I like to go and just try to find my, my little spot and just enjoy it from like a, a certain vantage point. Maybe I'll get in there right. a couple of times, but yeah, just want to go in there, enjoy it, uh, support and be able to get home safe. That's like, you know, pretty important to me. Yeah. These young kids will kill me. Uh, I got to go home with all my limbs still working for sure. Uh, when you look at terror, like the history, uh, and you look at the different labels that you guys have been on, um, you know, it seems like you guys like switch it up every couple of records. Was that by design or did you ever want to have consistency and have a, like an actual home when it comes to a record label? Hmm. We've been on so many fucking labels. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, it it kind of would be nice if we had one label that we were on from day one, but it just never happened that way where either, you know, we were super happy. Maybe it's always like the grass is greener. Like, you know, when we're on this label, we see other bands on this label and want to be there. Um, we, I would say we have put the most releases out on Reaper Records than any other band and uh, Patrick's one of my best friends in the world. So um, although terror isn't like maybe known as a Reaper records band, we've done so much stuff with him. Um, we also did, you know, we were on century media for four records, which is a long one. I guess the thing is we've been a band for 20 years, so there's bound to be different uh steps you take label wise and also when we're on these labels like um century media we're always doing seven inches and vinyl with other labels and stuff like that so we've been pretty lucky to have those bigger labels and more metal labels uh give us some money and give us the support in that bigger world but also give us the freedom to to fuck around with smaller labels that keeps us happy Okay, no, that, that that totally makes sense, and especially think about twenty years, and you think about how like the whole like music industry has changed. So I I can totally see that. Yeah, it seems like labels now, like I don't want to say they they don't matter or yeah. stuff like that, but so many bands can just if you put out something cool that's gonna get people excited and people are going to connect with, you can just put it on Bandcamp yourself and the whole it's there for the whole fucking world to check out. So I don't want to go so far as to say labels don't matter anymore, but they're definitely not uh, as needed as they used to be. hundred percent. I definitely agree with that. Uh, there, there are some people who uh, like their dream is still to be on a record label, but there's other bands who can totally just do it DIY and not have to go down that route and just do everything themselves. Yeah, I think I still have in my head, like, um, when I got first got into hardcore, there was obviously, like, the whole revelation thing, which was, like, a whole movement by itself, and all these band members intertwined, and then New Age Records, which was from California, kind of the same feel to me. Like, I knew on New Age, if, if whether it was Lifetime or Turning Point, who sound very different and are from different... Um, Actually, they're both from New Jersey, so I was gonna—that was wrong there. But um, 
you know, they're different bands, but they all fell under this umbrella. And I knew any new age release that came out, I was buying. And then the same thing with victory. Um, so there was kind of in my mind, there's this like kind of, uh, umbrella of bands that are all united under this label. And I'm not sure that really exists anymore. I, I mean, back when, when keepers of the faith came out and trapped under ice and backtrack and naysayer and all these cool bands were on Reaper that that's kind of the last time I really felt like for me, there was that sort of, uh, hardcore army <laughs> i don't know what you call it but that that was really cool but you know right now i don't feel that so much but in my head i'm always kind of living off that and kind of hoping for that i always find it interesting like i'll pay attention to uh, like the record labels in the scene and you know band signing to whatever record label i'm always curious like you know what like what their reasons were like what the record labels intentions were because it, it's like are they trying to build like a specific roster or are they trying to just get the hottest band currently because uh, I, I always think about like longevity because i'm always like curious like you know like how much or like how long will they be able to like sustain like their current model so uh, it, it would be cool to see, like, you know, like what you're describing with like Reaper, Rev and New Age, like that kind of deal. But um, I don't know if it will happen again. Who knows? But it, it's, it's weird to think about it in real time because I feel like sometimes that stuff like you can uh, realize that it's actually happening in real time. But a lot of times it's like people like looking back and being like, oh, like, you know, these times were, you know, like super special. So. Right. Yeah. And I think Triple B does a lot of great stuff, but he puts out so much stuff. It's hard to it's hard for even me to keep up with everything he has coming out. So I definitely think he's got this vibe in his own world in a good way. Mm -hmm. But uh, he puts out so much volume. So um, I think with Reaper, when we were involved with that, it was a little tighter, you know, that I can think of like, you know, he was probably putting out like one record every four months and it seems like triple b's putting out something every month if not multiple things a month mm -hmm. and uh yeah i'm always curious because reaper had a lot of steam and then it, it seemed like it, it kind of fizzled out you know bands left and went to other labels and started doing other stuff and i i, I still follow them on twitter just because I, I was such a fan and i still am so it, it's cool to see them you know pop up every now and then but uh, i'm I, I'm not really sure why it, it kind of, uh, you know, stopped being as active as it once was. Uh, you know what? You should have him on your podcast and ask him. I'm sure he would do it. He's he's one of the he's an amazing person. And I mean, I don't want to speak for him. I know his life just went in a different direction. He's so he's so fucking crazy. He literally became like a cowboy and kept going to Montana and working on a ranch and literally like doing cowboy stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I know now he's like a volunteer fireman and um, he, I, he put out a tape for terror within the last couple months. We did two cover songs a mm -hmm. zero tolerance and conviction cover. And he put that out. And um, I know something really, really cool that he's doing. Um, he might actually start a new label for this. I'm not sure. Cause he's mentioned that to me, maybe not, but um I don't know. Are you like a turning point super fan or not really? Not really. Okay. So when the sing when turning point ended, the singer did a band called Godspeed 
And then after that, the, the last thing he did before he died was a band called Memorial Day, which they put out this five song demo that's unbelievable. And it's never been on vinyl. And I know he's putting that out on vinyl in the next, I think he's got the test press already. So coming up in the next month. So oh, wow. that's something like for me, that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. And um, so he's still doing stuff. I know he put out um, Maximum Penalty record last year and he did the Dare stuff, which which is crazy to me. I don't know how we found Dare because like I'm living in Southern California going to shows and stuff. And one day he hit me up. He's like, I'm putting this band out from your, from Southern California called Dare. And I was like, who the fuck are they? And then, you know, now they're one of my favorite bands. So he's still got that little uh, way of finding bands that are, are going to connect with at least me. So that's, that's fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I, I was in the same boat when it comes to Dare because uh, people were asking me like, oh, who's this band from Fullerton that signed a Reaper? And I was like, I don't know. I've never heard of them. So I had to go and do my research. And, um, you know, then I, I started uh, seeing them and, uh, you know, friends with some of those guys. So it's something cool to see uh, that band develop and actually be able to put out cool records and do cool tours. And I know that they're about to put out a, a new album coming out pretty soon. because I know that they already finished recording it. Yeah. And Rev, that's cool. So I just suggested Patrick for your podcast, but I have another suggestion for you. Okay. If you don't mind. No, bring it. You should get Frank from Hatebreed on your podcast because he is like super Disney, crazy okay. Florida Disney guy. Okay. And I know that's in your world. So he'd probably be happy to talk Disney with you. I would Which love you that. probably didn't expect to have a hate breed Disney conversation. No, I did not expect that. Yeah. Um, I, we can, uh, I guess you can help me uh, get connected with him once we get off the, the podcast, but I'd be super down. I'm always open to suggestions. Like I'm never um, you know, too good to talk to anybody. So um, people uh, will make suggestions and I'm uh, more than willing to, you know, take them up on that offer. Cool. Cool. Um, so uh, this year is, is like uh, 10 years for uh, keepers of the faith which is uh, crazy to think about because that was um, like 2010. The end of 2010 is when I first moved to Orange County. So that year is always going to be like, you know, kind of special to me. And I remember uh, getting an advanced copy of Keepers of the Faith before Sound and Fury, which I thought was like insane. I was like, oh, shit, like Tara has a new record coming out. This is insane. So I remember me and my friends just like listening to that just nonstop. And then seeing you guys at Sound and Fury was uh, super cool. And I've watched the documentary, which is, uh, you know, pretty interesting and uh, has like a, a lot of cool stories. It's you, um, you know, back in Buffalo and you kind of just give the whole story and then it, it comes out West. Uh, did you know that that record was going to be special, like leading up to it? Or did you think this was just going to be another uh, terror album? Hmm. Um, I think I think I knew it was going to be a little bit more special than the last couple we had done, uh, especially getting Jordan from No Warning helping to write and David Wood on bass, who has an amazing energy. Um, I think it was just kind of getting those two in the band. Terror had kind of been doing these tours outside of the box, like with Amur and Chimera. You know, we we're obviously always still doing hardcore tours and playing hardcore shows, but we were kind of doing a little bit more stuff in that direction and realizing, man, this isn't really as fun. This really doesn't feel right. So we were kind of reeling back in and saying we tried that, but that's not who we 
really the direction we want to go in. Um, I was living with Patrick from Reaper at the time in Syracuse. Um, so, you know, I was right in the middle of all that stuff he had going on and helping him pack records. And he, 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 uh, owned a house in Syracuse and he put bunk beds in the basement. So lots of bands were staying with us. So it was like a hundred percent hardcore at the time. Um, and it was just so many cool bands were coming out like that era, like those bands I mentioned, like, uh, I remember sitting in, uh, Patrick's crazy. He, he has a huge record collection, like huge more than anyone I've ever seen. And he would buy the records would come in the mail all the time that he was buying on like eBay or Discogs and stuff. And he, every time he got a record, he would play it while he was like doing shit around the house and stuff. And I remember sitting in my bedroom at the time, which was like right outside the, where the record player was. And I heard this record and I was like, what the fuck is that? And I went out and I was like, what is that you're listening to? And it was the the first Backtrack 7-inch, the Deal with the Devil record. And I was like, dude, that's like the best thing I've heard in a while. This is amazing. And then, you know, eventually he ends up putting out stuff for them. And it was just a really cool time. So I think that energy that I just described, where the band was like realizing maybe we don't want to do these tours. Let's Let's keep it like who we are and we know who we are and let's stick with that. And then I think just the title, uh, it was the first time in my life I had the title for the record before. So we had a direction and we had like a vibe of what the record was going to be. And then I think just the title connected with people so much because we, you know, even before that record was out, there was people all over the world with keepers of the faith tattoos which was obviously fucking crazy, but it just showed even without the music, it was already like this sort of movement. So I, I think I knew it was going to be a little bit more special than maybe the couple records we did before it, but I didn't think it was going to connect as much as it did. And that's not to say like we were like this huge band or like it's this huge thing but it definitely was a more than just music it was kind of like this little mini movement within all of hardcore and i've listened to the garage cast and i'm, I'm curious <laughs> i'm curious about that uh that night in korea that, that you talked about where you uh, you know saw the writing on the bathroom wall i'm, I'm like really envious because i've like during the quarantine i've recently got like more into k-pop and uh korean uh, South Korean <laughs> culture, and I've always wanted to go there. Uh, so it's just like, damn, like to to hear that that's where like you, you saw that on that bathroom wall in Korea, and that kind of like sparked like you know the um, interest in the album name. Uh, I, I was curious if you talk about what that was like that night. I mean, I, all I can remember is probably what I said. Um, I was just <laughs> going to the bathroom, and someone had written "keep the keep the faith" on the wall, which. Warzone is, you know, depending on what day you catch me on, it could be Warzone, it could be Madball, it's like my favorite hardcore band ever. So, and it just clicked in my head, like it's so crazy that A, Terror's playing in Korea, but B, some, some kid in Korea is so, you know, into hardcore and into Warzone and, and needed those words as bad as I did you know, that he took a marker and wrote, keep the faith on the wall. And um, I don't know why it just really caught me as like an emotional thing. Like 
maybe that I felt so lucky that we got to play our music in Korea and that someone would pay for our plane tickets to go that far. And, and, you know, there was only a couple hundred kids at the show and I'm definitely not complaining. That's amazing. But the energy was great. And I remember we went out to eat before to Korean barbecue and <laughs> uh, th- that, you know, that band of geeks yeah. from Korea. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the guy that brought us there and booked the show. His name's key. And, we were like drinking a lot and he was like trying to get us to calm down. He's like, you guys got to play a show. We're like, we know what we're doing. And I just remember it was like a really good vibe. And yeah, we just, I, it just struck me. And I don't know how it went from keep I, in my head. It went from, yes, I keep the faith. I am a, I keep the faith. I am a keeper of the faith. And that was it. I just, I, uh, was living with Patrick, like I said, and just presented this, not, not in a way like needed his approval, but I was like really psyched. And I was like, I got this idea. And he was like, Oh, that's fucking great. And I told the band and yeah, it was just kind of cool. And, and just like, you know, it's just like to the credit of how much hardcore kids do like DIY and can do for themselves. Like Patrick had, uh, just bought like a uh, printing, like a t-shirt hoodie printing thing. Um, probably was printing a lot of stuff for Reaper and his bands. And um, we just knew this, like from being in Buffalo, um, I think champion clothing is originally from Rochester, New York, which is a hour from Buffalo. But me growing up, you would go to the champion outlets and buy like these cheap champion sweatshirts. Cause Youth of Today wore champion sweatshirts and all this stuff. So I've always, you know, known the, the champion out in my life. And so from being in Syracuse, which is not far from Buffalo or Rochester, there was these stores that sold old champion stuff. And this is like 2009 when champion, no one was wearing champion at the time, but you know, now champions like fucking huge, but we just went out and got these champion hoodies. Cause that's, what hardcore was to us and took him to his uh where he printed stuff out of the back of a tattoo shop and just made these one-off keepers of the faith hoodies so the record's not out the songs aren't written but we have the title and we're just wearing these keepers of the faith hoodies that we don't even know what it means no one knows what it means and we're just wearing them around because hardcore's kids can get so much shit done it's just you know we know where to get the hoodie we know how to get it printed and uh, it's just like crazy to me to think about when you're involved in hardcore and you have a label and you print shirts yourself and you design things yourself and you have this network of friends and you can just get all this shit done i think like if you spend time doing all that you learn all these life lessons and can just like get from point A to point B where, where some people would have a mental breakdown and think it, it's not possible. It's just like you can get shit like done like that in two days, which is kind of crazy to me. Do you know where any of those one-offs are these days? Oh shit. I'm not that dude. I'm, <laughs> I'm the type of person that just gives shit away. Like I think about like, I see now what t-shirts go for. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying a, a terror sweatshirt would go for that, but yeah, I just like uh, I just the type of person that gives stuff away. So someone probably has it somewhere. It's weird too because the original logo was not arched; it was like keepers of the faith in like a a, a box. So that's the very first ones were like that. 
Okay. And when was the design change? Probably soon after all in the early stages, but I know the very first ones were more like a square as opposed to the arch. Interesting. Yeah. And I'm curious if anybody um, listening might have one or know somebody who has one. Cause I, I would like to see what it looks like. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. I don't know my friend. I do not know. Okay. Damn. Yeah. And time moves so weird because um, back when Keepers of the Faith came out, I love that record. I, I still love the record. And I was, uh, you know, thinking, I was like, this is going to be like, like a cool era for terror. But um, I, in real time, um, when Live by the Code came out in my mind, I was like, damn, I felt like that was like a, a really quick turnaround. But looking back, now there was like a three-year gap between those two records and that's a, i feel like that's a pretty fair amount of time because a lot can happen um obviously in just a year as um, we know um you know 2020 has been crazy but um real time i was like damn three years that doesn't seem that long but looking back i'm like okay that was a fair gap because three years without a new record I, like, now i'd be like in my mind complaining like wh- like why aren't they putting out any new material like where are they at so um I, i'm always curious with a, a band like terror who is uh very active, uh, consistent with putting out records, playing shows, uh, putting out merch. Uh, do you ever fear that there might be terror fatigue or oversaturation? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's, I think you just have to, um, just keep, keep going and whatever happens, happens. You, you can't make people like your band. You, you know, that a band like us, being a band for 20 years there's definitely going to be uh you know young kids want young bands and don't want to look maybe watch someone that looks like their fucking uncle on stage but um (laughs) you know i think we've done you know our best to stay relevant and have been pretty lucky like i think every new generation of kids that comes in gives us a chance and you know obviously we are for some people that want really fast in your face, aggressive metallic hardcore, but some people, you know, want something different. Um, yeah. Uh, there's always the oversaturation cause we have just, we have so many releases and so many songs and have been on so many labels and have toured so many places. And um, for us, you know, we just want to put stuff out and do cool shit. Like in this lockdown alone, We've put out a, a two-song cover cassette. We put out songs on the internet, which Andrew from Strife has a, a label called War Records. He put them out on, uh, what the fuck are they called? Latham Cut 7-Inches. And then he put out just a normal 7-inch. And we have more stuff we've been working on, and we're working on new songs. And, yeah, we just stay busy. But sometimes, um, you know, Vitalo, the singer of Backtrack, he's Terror's manager. He's sometimes like, dude, you got to calm down. You're putting way too much stuff out. So to me, it's like, just put it out. And if people want it, they'll get it. But he kind of has that more, um, I don't want to make him sound like Mr. Business, but kind of that mindset that you're asking me, like, you got to like space things out. So, and then, you know, I'm, I've also put out in this lockdown of Buried Alive 7 Inch of World Be Free Records coming out. So it's like, I'm like, just go 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 and sometimes i gotta get slapped in the face like no one needs to hear your stupid voice 24 hours a day so just take it easy honestly i think i, I prefer that 
over uh, not having anything. I, I was having a conversation with a buddy the other day. Um, I was uh, uh, talking to him. and I, I told him that you're coming on the podcast and he's in the camp of having like terror fatigue. He's like, he's like, dude, like they're always putting out um, new records, new music. He's like, I'm good. And I'm like, terror okay. Fatigue. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, okay. I'm like, I'm like, that's fair. But I was like, for me, I love terror. Like you got to think about like the, uh, like what they've done, uh, you know, for just Southern California hardcore. Like I, I look at terror, like I, I look at Madball, like, like, you know, just like legendary bands that just like haven't stopped and just are going to just go on forever never going to stop. And I was telling him, I'm like, dude, I was like, I was like, don't be one of those kids who's going to give terror their roses. Once they break up, you're going to be sad when it's not going to be accessible anymore. When the music stops, when the shows stop, like I was like, you got to enjoy this right now because you're going to be looking back and thinking about, oh, shit, I should have seen them more or paid attention more. And I'm just like, yeah, like they're consistent, which is cool. Like not a lot of bands are doing that. And I would much rather have a band consistently put out stuff versus not doing anything at all. So it's just like for me, I, I'm in the camp where like I, I love it. Keep giving me the content. I'm going to uh, keep listening. And it's just like for me, maybe it's because I'm biased, but it's just like, yeah, like in my eyes, I'm just like I, I'm along for the ride. Like I, like there's no such thing as like, you know, like fatigue when it comes to tear for me. So I, I, I just think it's um, like, you know, pretty interesting. And I'm always curious because like there's no real game plan because like, like there's no right or wrong way to do it. You just got to kind of just navigate it your own way and just kind of figure it out. Yeah, well, I appreciate you staying along for the ride. And I mean, this isn't a shot at your friend because I don't even know who you're talking about. But you just can't like hardcore kids are so judgmental and fickle. Like it's so hard to please everyone. Either you put out too much or you put out too little or your record sounds like the last record. So they want something different or it sounds too different and they wanted the last record or you recorded at too nice of a studio or the recordings too DIY or the, the songs aren't fast enough or the songs are too, too fast or there's too many songs or there's not enough songs. It's like, you can't fucking win. Everyone has a fucking opinion. So um, yeah, I'm a hundred percent comfortable with terror. I'm very proud of everything we've done. I'm super uh, happy with the people I get to be in a band with and that we got to tour so much and put out so much music and tour with so many different types of bands. Like it's all an amazing ride, but of course people from the outside are going to be like, why the fuck did they tour with a mirror? Why the fuck are they on century? Were they on century media? There's so many ways to, to pick things apart and judge things. And that's just the nature. I'm this, I'm not trying to say like, boo hoo how dare you judge terror because i'm the same way all the bands that i see i have my little nitpicking and wish they did a little different or have my favorite record or only like their first record or their newest record is this or that so i'm the same way it's just you know when you put stuff out people are gonna judge it so i get it from every different angle but the the, the end of the day like it's been an incredible thing and i'm so happy to be able to done all the things we got to do and, and play with all these different bands. So it just is what it is. I'm the same way. You know, I, I see bands and I was like, Oh, they were better when they first came out. I'm the same way. So you mm. just, it's, there's no way you can win. Well, I'm, I'm happy that uh, you, you like to stay consistent. Um, but you mentioned like, you know, touring with Amir and stuff. 
I, I always thought it was cool that you guys weren't afraid to do those. Um, you know, a hardcore kid would look at those kind of tours. Um, you know, you guys tour with Winds of Plague and like, be like, oh, that's like weird. Why is a hardcore band playing with these weird metal bands? So, I, but in my mind, I, I always thought it was cool. I'm like, yeah, Terror is awesome. They can fit in and play wherever they want and, you know, have success. So, was that always like important to you to not really put up walls and only want to do hardcore tours? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you got to branch out or like, you know, especially as much as we tour, if we did it with the same bands at the same playing to the same kids over and over, we'd never would have lasted this long. So you definitely got to branch out, but also too, I can't tell you the amount of times where a kid will come up to me at a show and he'll look generically hardcore with short hair and a fucking whatever the, the hardcore uniform. And he'll be like, Oh man, I saw you guys two years ago with a mirror. I was a totally different person. I would look like this and like that. And seeing you guys, I never saw that energy before. And then I checked out your lyrics and now not, not that he says, but look at me now I'm a hardcore kid and, and, and you guys like cross me over. And that's, you know, I'm not saying we're trying to like change people or, or change their identities or whatever, but you know, you go out and play to these people that are, definitely going to underground music shows and, and like the aggressive music and probably the moshing and stuff, but they've just never been exposed to a band that's maybe talking about something, you know, and I'm not dogging a mirror out at all. Those they're, they're my friends and they took us on tour a few times, which is really cool, but their lyrical content is much, much different than terror. And some people want that like party more ignorant, immure vibe that's what they connect with but some people just have never been exposed to bands talking about maybe something a little bit deeper or different and when they hear that they're like this is what i've been waiting for and if we could bring them over and then from terror they see backtrack and then from backtrack they see whoever you know fury or something like that that's all the the stuff you know before hardcore i was into like more metal and like uh whether it was black sabbath or motley crew and then you know and i would see bands in arenas and you know obviously i was into that loud heavy music but when i saw like a a, a local show in the late 80s in buffalo i did not care about motley crew anymore that my whole life changed because somehow some way i had to be introduced to it so if we could do that to people which i know like I don't want to pat myself in the back too much. We have been that gateway for lots and lots of people all over the world. Um, that's super, super cool and important to me. And like, that's like one of the, the coolest things we could ever do. One time I was leaving Disneyland and I saw, <laughs> <laughs> this is just rant, sorry. I, I was, I was leaving Disneyland and I'm, I, I was like walking towards the, the shuttle buses that take you to like the parking lot across town. Um, and I, I saw this guy from behind and, um, he had this, uh, shirt and it looked like a, a, a keeper to the face shirt, you know, like the photo of, um, uh, the guy holding the kid's hand. Um, and, and then, um, I, I can't remember what, if it said like, um, like the Philippines on the back or something. And I was like, Oh, this guy, wow. I was like, this guy totally bought like a bootleg or something. So I, I went up and asked him about it. And then he told me that, uh, he saw you guys in the Philippines and he, wow. he was just going on about how he like loved terror and he was just here on vacation and he didn't even think that anybody would know what he was wearing. So like him and I just like talked about how awesome terror was for like 10 minutes and I was tripping. I never even knew you guys played out there. So that was like, you know, like mind blowing to me. So it, it, it's cool 
to see you guys um you know be recognized worldwide and i think uh, it, it's you know important and because of you guys doing these uh, tours not just like the hardcore ones but also I'm, um, you know, doing these like metalcore tours, but then even you know traveling internationally. So I, I think it's important to to not like close off, uh, you know, or to do just like you know one type of tour. It's like it's cool and important to do all types of stuff. Yeah, and I mean for us to, I I think we've only been to the Philippines once. It might have been twice because we we went to Southeast Asia at least twice, mm-hmm. if not three times. But I remember the show in the Philippines. It was like super hot probably 300 kids packed totally like i don't know if the the word sold out is right but a totally packed club and uh, they went crazy and they knew like all the words to all of our songs it was like super over the top like humbling and and it was amazing and i still remember it's the i'm very anti uh cordless mics Okay. Um, like, like I just, I need the cord and to me, it like just is weird to me. Um, but that's the only mic they had there. So it's the only show I've ever used a cordless mic in. So I'll always remember that, but it was just like super humbling. And, uh, yeah, to hear you ran into some guy in Southern California that was at that show and came over here and wore the shirt and you ran into him. That's super cool. So yeah, I mean we're 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 super lucky. We've got to go all over the world and play our music, and it's pretty amazing. So, uh, want to just talk about some of my favorite uh, terror memories? I I saw you guys. This is like I can't remember what year it was, but you guys were on tour with uh, it was Comeback Kid. It was Comeback Kid, okay. Modern Life Is War, and I think Sinai Beach. Yep. And you guys played a show at um, it was it was back to back. You guys played Showcase and then Chain. And I was at both shows. I, I had more fun at the showcase theater because that was like the first night of like the, the two show run. And I remember um, I, I think you guys were headlining. But that night at, at um, uh, showcase, you guys uh, opted to play before Comeback Kid because I, I think Comeback Kid had just put out a new record and um, you guys wanted them to headline. And I remember Scott Wade came out and saying, um, push it away with you guys. And I was just like, thinking, I was like, wow, this band has like no ego. This is like insane to me that, you know, like they're the headlining band, but whatever. But they wanted to put Comeback Kid to the top of the bill. And uh, and that was like my first time seeing Comeback Kid. And, uh, you know, I, I'd seen Terror a couple times before that. So I was like, you know, just having like the time of my life. And I thought that was just like so cool of you guys to do that. Playing last is not always the greatest. I, 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 you know, I don't love playing last. It's uh, playing first always isn't the greatest either. So somewhere sure. in the middle is the sweet spot for me. And I think on that tour, we were flip-flopping with them, mm-hmm. which, you know, you do a lot. Like, like when we toured with H2O, we would close one night and they would close the next night. Um, I think that's how that was. And I, I think as much as I could, I would tell Comeback Kid, oh, you guys should close, you guys should close, <laughs> you guys should close. Because no, I just, uh, playing last sucks. Like, p- people are tired. Some people, even if you're the biggest band in the world, some people leave. And it's like, it's it's not, I mean, you, usually you get paid a little more. So that's cool because I do like money. But um, yeah, closing sucks sometimes. I can only imagine, yeah, because it, it is weird when I, because I, I've definitely seen it in my time going to shows where you're there for the last band, you kind of look around and like the whole room is just like half empty. You're like, what the hell? Where'd everybody go? Yeah, that's not a good feeling. Yeah, that's not good. That's not a good feeling to be on stage and that happens. That sucks. But even if you're played earlier, you just feel for the band. It's just like that's not cool. Mm-hmm. 
And you guys did a tour with uh, Four Year Strong and the story so far. And mm-hmm. I, I remember so many of my friends were so upset and thought they were like, like too cool. And they're like, why is like uh, terror playing with these stupid pop punk bands? And, <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, I, I was like, terror doesn't only play with uh, hardcore bands. I was like, this is awesome. I was like, Cause uh, for me, like I, I love story so far for you strong school. So to be able to have like that crossover, um, you know, see uh, these different types of music, like, you know, in one night under one roof and at like one of my favorite venues in orange County, the, the observatory, I was like, this is fucking awesome. I was like, cool. I was like, you guys don't want to go. I'm going to be there, like have fun, do whatever you want, but I'm going to go and enjoy this. Cause to me, like I, I love mixed bills. So that was like uh, super awesome for me. You see what I mean though? You can't make anyone happy. Who wants to go see a show where you hear five terrors in a row? That's like, ugh. but I mean, that was a great tour. I would do it again in a heartbeat. And I mean, it's so weird. Cause like, I don't want to say we set the trend or anything, but every hardcore band tours with all these outside the box bands now, like, like turnstile goes on tour with all sorts of bands, code orange. Like, you know, like I think that's great. And like for a band, it's one thing to get up in front of all the people that love and support your band and know all the words to your songs and have a great show. That that's obviously an amazing feeling, but to get up in front of story so far's crowd is terror and be able to like turn them on to your music. That's totally different than what they came there to see and get that energy going in a room like that. That's a different, amazing feeling. So yeah, that was really cool. So I go to uh, like a lot of pop punk shows and the vibe I always get is uh, it's always cool to show up to the pop punk show wearing like the cool hardcore merch, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You should, you show them that, you're above them. <laughs> yeah, I know this more underground <laughs> shit than you do. Yeah, it, it was always um, pretty um, interesting to me. I was like, oh, I was like, and, and I, I always uh, like, you know, I would just wear whatever. Like, I, I don't really like, you know, like, like to plan on my outfits unless I'm going like, you know, to like a special event or something. But if I'm going to a hardcore show, I just want to wear something that's clean. <laughs> well, that's good. I wish more hardcore kids wore clean clothes because then it wouldn't smell so bad when <laughs> people start sweating that is weird that people will show up and just uh yeah their uh their hygiene is just a little off <laughs> well i have to admit sometimes on tour i do wear the same shit over and over and over and over and then hopefully after the tour it goes in the garbage can i do you remember the band Gravemaker? yeah of course from canada yeah so i i, I remember that this one tour the, the the singer i think his name is john he would wear the the same rain supreme shirt like every night and i was always tripping out but he, he never smelled but i was i was curious like does he have like multiple like you know uh, like of the same shirt or is that just the same shirt that he's rocking every night because i remember I, I saw them like for like a week straight like all the southern california dates las vegas arizona and he was just always wearing that same rain supreme shirt yeah i do stuff like that a lot too that's sometimes why i wear jerseys on stage because they can uh go through that mm-hmm. but it's it's like you know when you're on tour for 30 days some like i'll do something like that i'll get a jersey and then you can wash it real quick because it dries quick and wear it the whole tour and then throw it out but like we, we did a tour with uh stick to your guns with year of the knife this i don't know like a summer or two ago and i remember i was like i i made a deal with year of the knife 
um, that they would sell me their t-shirts at cost for like $5 instead of like, you know, $15. Uh-huh. And I would just buy, like, I would give them $20 and they'd give me four t-shirts. And then I would wear those for the next, like, you know, I'd wear the t-shirt for a couple shows and throw it out and wear the t-shirt for a couple shows. It's just like trying to stay clean, but also you don't have an endless bag that's big enough to bring your whole quote unquote wardrobe so it's a it's a it's a challenge out there in touring land. I know some like we've we've been on tour with bigger bands. We've never had this pleasure, but I can see them. They just put their laundry in a bag and hand it to to a runner at the venue, and they'll go out and wash their clothes and bring it back. Not quite fortunate enough to have that, but if you're like a, a real rock dude, you can pull that off. Yeah, that sounds like a nice luxury. I, like, <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of doing laundry because it takes time out of my day, and, and I I want to like do stuff that I actually enjoy. But you know, it, it's necessary. I got a load in the dryer right now. Okay, and uh, you guys uh, did a tour just 2015 with Terror. Oh, excuse me, your Terror, <laughs> Bane, Turnstile, Backtrack, uh, Forest Order. It, it was uh, the Life and Death tour. Do you remember that? That we may have canceled. I think we canceled that tour because my back was fucked up. I think. Yeah. Am I wrong? No, no. You, you guys did. Um, but I, I was. I'm gonna ask you about your back. Uh, okay. Because uh, I, 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 you know, just reading stuff online, I, I, I don't know exactly what was wrong with your back, but um, uh, the, the reported disc issues. Uh, is that? Uh, are you still dealing with that today, or did you um remedy that? Um, I'll be dealing with it for the rest of my life. I have all these bulging or slip discs in my neck and lower back just from touring so much for so long and jumping around and being an idiot. And yeah, hardcore's taken my spine and made it very interesting. So uh, I guess part of this not touring for most of this year has probably been a nice rest on it, but. I think it's something I'll deal with for the rest of my life and uh, yeah, super fun stuff. Have you ever looked into like spinal decompression? Cause like I, I listen to Joe Rogan and he talks about like, you know, stuff like that from time to time. So I'm always curious if you ever looked into that to try to like, you know, help fix it. I have done everything. I've even spent weeks in Mexico getting like all sorts of crazy injections that you don't, they don't do in the U S mm-hmm. and, uh, a, a thing I did recently is actually something that, uh, my friend Andrew from strife sent me a link or a, a, a timestamp. I don't know what you call it from someone. I can't remember who someone that did get interviewed. Cause I know Joe Rogan does talk about back stuff all the time. Um, and he, sent me this thing about someone talking about something Joe Rogan and this guest did called Regenicine. Yeah, Keen. Yeah. Inge- wow, you got fucked up back? No, 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 no. I, I, I don't. I, I just listen to a lot of Joe Rogan, so I, I hear about yeah. that all the time. So I heard about that and found the doctor that does the injections for Joe Rogan, and I got them that's in Santa Monica, that was about a year ago. Mm-hmm. So that was actually after that stick your guns tour, which was really long, a six week tour. And I got through that tour fine and my back was fine. And I went and did this stupid stretch 
I looked up on the internet how to stretch a certain part of my body and did it on my couch, which you're not in a stable position. And I ruptured one of my discs, which was extremely painful. I fucking sucked. And then uh, during that, I found out about Regenekine, got the injections. And they it's hard to say what it did. You don't know. But, you know, I felt a lot better and toured for a while after that. So, so far, so good. Okay, that's cool. I'm glad you, you know, like looked into it and actually, um, you know, did that crazy stuff because, you know, sometimes some people just brush it under the rug and be like, all right, I'm going to deal with the pain and not really try to, uh, you know, look for ways to cure it. But um, for you to, um, you know, have done and gone through those processes, like I'm glad you're at least being a little active about it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's something that plagues me on tour all the time. It's just I'm always like a little bit sore and tight and, uh, you know, waiting for the next major problem to come along is not a good idea. Trying to like be proactive and, and make sure I can not make sure I'm not canceling more tours. Yeah, for sure. You want to get in front of it and try to, um, you know, prevent it instead of, you know, trying to fix it. And also at the same time, realize I'm not fucking 20 anymore and on stage and jumping in the crowd. I got to like keep myself in check. Know my limits, I guess, is the right thing. For sure. No, I, I, I totally get that. Um, there was a website. I'm not even sure if it's up because I haven't checked it in a long time. But, oh God. Yeah, I, I have to ask you because um, you know, this like I have you here, so <laughs> I, I just had to bring it up. Um, you know, yeah. uh, you've been deemed like the president of hardcore and vocalisms. <laughs> uh, like <laughs> when you see that kind of stuff, like uh, like what what do you think about it? Is it just like a, a goof for you? Um, do you play into it? Um. It's a little bit flattering. It's a little bit goofy. It depends on what mood I'm in. Um, yeah, like the vocalism things was, it's kind of funny, but it's also like, I've looked at the site. I don't know if the site's up anymore, but back when it was up and new, there was definitely stuff up there that like I never said, just like as a person, you know, there's certain words in your vocabulary or certain words you never use. Mm -hmm. So there was things up there. I'm like, I've never said that. And um, yeah, I mean, I can see it from all angles. It's a little bit corny. It's a little bit goofy. It's also a little bit flattering. It's also a little bit, I can laugh at it myself, but whatever. I guess it depends on what mood I'm in. Yeah. Also, I just shouldn't take myself too seriously. If someone goes out of their way to make something like that, um, unless it's like a, a straight up smear campaign, which I don't think any of those things are. It's just mm -hmm. a little bit goofy. I, I always find it interesting, like um, like your guys' reach. Obviously, like your um, your presence um, as a frontman, uh, like a lot of people like look to that for inspiration or um, you know appreciate you and your high energy. Um, I, I've seen bands like uh, Sleeping Giant, and you know they'll uh, be like, "Oh, uh, more stage dives, more stage dives," and obviously, like you know, the, um, the singer Tommy like reference, like he's like, "Yeah, he's like, I'm, I'm doing my best, like Scott and Vogel, Scott Vogel up here, like I, we need more energy from the crowd." And I was like thinking, like, wow, like I'm at this like weird Christian show, and like you know, uh, I'm hearing about terror. This is insane. He's a good guy. I like him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I th I think a, a lot of people don't know, like maybe never put this together, but there was a point in terror where we had so much fights and violence at our shows, and like it was becoming really, really negative and we couldn't play without there being 
violence and it was really counter uh productive and bands didn't want to take us on tour and venues didn't want to have us and it sure the fuck wasn't making me happy that our reputation was becoming this band that there was people fighting to that's not at all what i wanted to be about so i just kind of had this plan in my fucking head that instead of the focus being on how hard you can smash the person next to you to try to get people to to pack up because obviously when people are going around fighting people are going to like push back and get away from it and that's not the you know the perfect vibe to me is like a packed crowd with people singing along diving and moshing so i just had this plan in my head to try to shift the momentum into stage diving so that's kind of where that all came from so it all came from a, a positive place or hopefully a positive place that's interesting. I, I never knew that you even, uh, you know, took that into account because uh, before I even went to my first terror show, uh, you know, I had like seen stuff online. Oh, yeah. Like people pull guns out. There's fights all the time. But I was just like, OK, I was like, I, in my mind, I was like, I'm willing to weather that storm to be able to experience that band live <laughs> and hopefully I make it out. OK, but like you know, I, I've been to plenty of uh, terror shows like uh, and I've never like, you know, seen anything too crazy. Yeah, there was. I mean, I have seen things way too crazy and shit that I never wanted to see again. And I would put that around 2004 or five, if I'm correct. And, um, you know, we took some study. I mean, I don't want it to come off like we're these righteous, peaceful, never did, you know, never slap someone in the face ourselves because, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I don't want to present it to like that, but uh, we definitely didn't want it that to be our reputation, what you heard. And we took some necessary steps to try to minima, minimal, minimalize, uh, make that uh, not the regular for a terror show. That's awesome. I, I feel like, you know, you guys have done a good job because when I think of terror, I, that's not what comes to mind for me. Good. Good. What was the word I was trying to say? Minimalize. Minim yes. That's a, is that a tongue twister or my tongue's just not working right now? No, it, it's a long word. So yeah. it's a lot of <laughs> syllables. So no, I, I get it. I, I, I'm surprised I got it off because I, I stutter sometimes. And sometimes I'll have brain farts and like I'll have to like think about the things that I say and hopefully and pray that they come out like, correct. <laughs> so I definitely get it. Um, but I'm a huge New Fan Glory fan. Uh, I like in my mind that that band can do no wrong. I'm like a diehard fan, uh, and you were on their record Resurrection. You, you did vocals, which I I thought was like super cool. Uh, can you talk about how that came together? Do you know that Chad produced Keepers of the Faith? Yes, yes, yes. Um, I I I do know that. I, I saw the the documentary, and I, I didn't know that until I watched the documentary. To be honest, yeah. So uh, I would say that all goes back to Chad producing the H2O record, which was a great record, the Nothing to Prove, I think. And uh, from there, we just asked him, you know, I would see, just like you would see me at shows, I would see Chad at hardcore shows in LA when he moved here. Um, and then he produced Keepers of the Faith. He actually... Um, him and Toby from H2O bought a house together where like a duplex where Chad, uh, Toby lived, uh, still lives upstairs and Chad lived downstairs. 
And when Chad was moving out of there, I moved into his apartment. So I rented an apartment from him for a while. Um, so it's just friendship. He just asked me if I would sing on the record. And um, since you're a super newfound glory fan, when are they doing their Christmas special? Did oh. it happen yet? That's it. I think it's, did it happen this, I think it's this Friday. Cause I, I, I seen the ads online, if I'm being honest. I don't know, but I did something for that too. So if you check that out, you'll see my wonderful face again in the newfound glory mix, but just, just as simple as he's saying, Hey, we have this new record coming out. Will you record on, or will you sing on it? And I said, fuck yeah, of course I will. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause I remember listening to it and I was like, I know that voice and it, it wasn't something that I was expecting, but when I heard yeah. it, I was like, okay, this is, this is pretty cool. Isn't uh Brendan from Turnstile on the same record? I think he is. Yeah, he's. I think he's on like the very last track. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Which is cool too, because you think about it. At that time, uh, that's like when they were exploding. Um, you know, obviously they're like one of the biggest bands in hardcore right now. But at, at that time, their trajectory they were just going up. Right. Um. And Chad produced one of the Trapped Under Ice records too. I mm-hmm. think Big Kiss Goodnight. So I'm sure that's where they met. So. It's all intertwined one way or another. Yeah, and it's awesome to think about because you think about somebody who's in a band like that big. Obviously, um, he, he's a hardcore dude, but for him to um, take time to actually work on these records and when he's not doing his own band or uh, doing other stuff, I, I think it's really awesome for him to be able to participate and give back that way. Yeah, and he 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 was a huge part of Keepers in the Faith, getting those songs to where they were, pushing me just on lyrics like, straight up saying to me, those lyrics aren't good enough, make them better. And, you know, that's for me, that's one of the biggest things that got me into hardcore and that I want people to connect to the lyrics. And so for him to, he's the first person, like, you know, we recorded records with other people, but no one was ever like, you can do better, make the lyrics connect. And then you see the results. So he did so much for that record. What's going through your mind when somebody tells you that? Because for me, it's just like I, I think about, um, you know, think about how many bands you've been in, uh, all the content that they've put out. And you think about everything Terror had done up until that point, uh, like when somebody tells you to do it better, like where do you draw the inspiration to even come up with uh, newer lyrics, better lyrics at that point in your career? Uh, I think, you know, there's probably that first go fuck yourself thought goes through your head. Mm-hmm. But that's just a defensive reaction. But the reality is, if he's if you put him in the position to produce your record, he's doing what he's supposed to do. So you better go back and do the work and make it better. Yeah, and it's cool to have somebody that's not just there, you know, kind of punching a clock, just doing the bare minimum. It seems like he actually cared about the product that he was putting out because obviously it's tied to his name. But it seemed like he wanted you guys to do your best as well. Absolutely. And uh, I can't say enough good things about Ed. so many different directions, the songs, the vibe, just ideas. Like he had the idea to do the gang vocals at Chain Reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, just so much. He put so much into it. Like he was fully invested. Uh, I'm curious, how did you guys end up recording it in Orange County versus L.A. when it seems like all you guys were based out of L.A.? Like, I didn't understand why you guys decided to drive out this way to record the record at that studio. I don't know. Uh, you know what? I'd have to say because H2O did nothing to prove at Buzz Bomb, which is Paul Miner, who was in Death by Stereo studio. Mm-hmm. And maybe Chad was just comfortable with him. I don't remember the particulars, but that's what I would guess. 
Okay. okay. And we did, uh, Paul worked on one with the underdogs. So we were comfortable with Paul. So mm-hmm. it was probably like, I'm out here. This is my studio. And Chad was like, I'm comfortable there. So you chose to live in California. You better be ready to drive. And we did. Yeah. Traffic. Traffic is annoying. I, I, I hate it because I, I live here in Orange County and uh, it still gets busy. Um, even just in the middle of the day, you're trying to just get across town. It's like you better time it like, you know, right or you're going to be late because I, where I grew up in Palm Springs, there was one freeway, just the 10 freeway. And that was it. There's no like other freeways like here in Orange County. We have like, you know, like I think four or five freeways, if I'm thinking correctly, just to try to get somewhere faster. But there's always traffic. It, it's annoying. Yeah, it's fucking insane. I'm very happy to be out of that part of uh transportation it's literally insane Mm -hmm. i don't think people can really understand it until they're in it yeah no i totally get that because to to explain somebody it'll take like an hour just to move a mile like you know if you're in like dead stop (laughs) la traffic it's just like you know it it sounds crazy but sometimes that's the truth it just gets so backed up and you think about like where the hell are all these people coming from like does everybody really live here you know Good luck. Good luck with all that. I'm I'm curious, um, and if it's too personal, um, I, I I totally get it. But uh, I was curious, like, why you decided to leave uh, California, and go back to Buffalo. Uh, the the real simple answer is my girlfriend got into law school here, so she's starting law school in um, January next month. Mm-hmm. But even leading up to that, um, you know, I don't have anything bad to say about. California and Los Angeles, but I was just starting to, it was starting to make me the traffic, the people, uh, just a lot of things about it. I was just kind of getting in the mind state that I was ready to leave there. And then she wanted to go to law school. She applied here and got in and that was like the, uh, okay, no more talking about it. We're fucking moving. And was there ever any other options to go anywhere else or did you guys uh, choose Buffalo because that's where you're from. Um, over the last two years, we had talked about a couple things. Like, uh, she really had an interest in Tucson. I really like Portland, so these are places we visited. But um, when she applied to a few schools, and this was you, Buffalo has a really good law school, UB University of Buffalo. So when she got in, uh, we also had talked about Syracuse. Cause she's from Philly. So this is closer for her to, to be to where she's from. So when she got in, we just, that was it. Okay. Oh yeah. That's cool. Congratulations to her for getting to law school. That, that, that's super sick. I mean, too, also like, um, thank you. But, uh, the rent in LA, like my, my bedroom or the, my rent was $1,800 for a one bedroom apartment in Burbank. I am now paying twelve fifty for a three bedroom apartment here. So, especially the the fact that I haven't worked in like I don't know how many months, eight months, nine months. Uh-huh. Um, it, it was definitely a financial relief to to move back here now. But that that wasn't like like we have to get out of here so we pay cheaper rent. It, it's just another thing. Like you would talk to other people that have in bands that have bought in houses because they live in a place like Buffalo. Um, where you're like, I'm giving my landlord $1,800 a month to live in this fucking one bedroom apartment with my girlfriend. Fuck this. So that's another thing that plays into it. Yeah. I, I, I totally get that. It, it's so expensive to live here in Southern California. It's 
it's it's crazy. You, you, th- you think about like um, money and you mentioned you're paying 1800 for that one bedroom. And then, you know, how can you uh, get like a way bigger space for cheaper rent somewhere else? It, it, like I get it, like, you know, taxes and stuff, but it, it, it's just kind of crazy to think about how expensive it is to live out here. And sometimes I always like wonder, like, is it really worth it? Like what I, cause I, like, I, I've lived here my whole life and I've thought about moving other places, but I don't know if I would ever be happy somewhere else since this is all I know. But sometimes I think about it like, man, like what if I moved across like the country somewhere um, that's like not so busy, way more chill and cheaper. Well, I've heard you say in your podcast, F Y a, Oh yeah. You had such a great time there. hundred percent. Don't move to Florida, man. That place is not so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's my opinion. <laughs> that's so funny. I, I, okay. You, you bring up F Y a. I'm, I, I I had just such a great time, man. So I, I talk about it all the time. That's funny that you've heard that. But I don't think I could ever live there. The the the, the weather's too uh, just not like really like my type of thing. Like because I, I only ever go for a vacation. Like I I, I don't um, I, I don't think I've ever gone there for any other reason. Like I go to Disney World or um, you know I've been to that fest. But just being there, it's just like way too hot. And uh, like out here in Orange County, the, the weather's nice for like the majority of the year. So I, I really enjoy that. And I don't think I could move somewhere where it was like that hot and had to deal with like random like humidity and like rainstorms. Yeah, Florida's not one of my favorite places in the wonderful, amazing country of the United States. Yeah, weird state, but there's a lot of good bands that have come out of there. Yeah, like Hot Water Music, the greatest band ever. You know, I didn't really know that you liked that band until I was listening to, I forget, um, it was either the the Garage Cast or one of the documentaries that I watched, and you mentioned that you, you saw them at some venue somewhere. Yeah, they're fucking amazing. That's awesome. But um, you, you mentioned uh, the uh, pandemic and you not working this whole time, uh, but I, I think it was cool that – Terror has still been able to stay active and be, um, you know, in front of people's faces. You guys started that website, sticktight.la, which is um, really cool. But I'm, I'm here. So, do you know what happened to the old website, the terrorhc.com? Uh, no, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm a internet technology dummy. Okay. So yeah, I'm not good at stuff like that. I, I know that. Martin is the go-to guy. You'd have to ask him. Um, I know he came up with the sticktight.la web address. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? And I I think that was like a really cool idea because you think about people were trying to find ways to stay relevant or stay active as a band. People were uh, doing live streams or uh, you know, just putting up merch or just maybe just going dormant and not really doing anything or putting out a record and then just disappearing. But for you guys to uh, build this whole website and this like, uh, like I guess like this new community where for people to go and be able to support, but also get tons of like new content. I, I feel like that was like such a cool idea and, and a um, like a very different, something that bands weren't really doing in our space at that time. Yeah. One of the, one of the advantages of, being a band for so long and having Nick, our drummer in the band. Cause he's like, uh, ever, like the first time I met him, when I talked, when I drove to meet him and Todd, we, I went to his house and he had in his garage, this is his parents' house at the time. His garage was already a studio. So we recorded the terror demo there and we've recorded lots of the, the split we did on death, Wish was recorded there. Um, 
basically what I'm getting at. He's like always has a studio. We've always recorded so much extra stuff. We've done pre-production for all our stuff. So when all this stuff hit and we were thinking like what we could do, he just has files and files and recordings and recordings of all this old stuff. And it's stuff that, you know, when we're touring, 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 we never really thought about, but um, we just came up with the idea to try to unearth or re, re, re earth, whatever. Dig into the lost stuff and bring it back to uh, the surface and, and put it out there for people to hear. So there's like demos of stuff and like songs that we worked on but never released because like we already have so much stuff out and like, you know, you write songs sometimes and they don't make the cut. So we just kind of like put all this extra stuff up there. And then the garage cast I thought was that was Jared from Trapped Under Ice and Down to Nothing's idea to kind of do like a get together and talk about each record. So that was a really cool idea he had for us. So yeah, it's just kind of, we're, we're so used to staying busy with the band. Um, it was just nice to just kind of be able to even just get together with Nick and Martine because the, the, you know, up until I left, we're the three that lived in LA. So just to kind of like keep the, keep the spirit alive, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I think you guys are doing a, a, a great job of that because I've talked to so many people from bands who talk about, um, you know, they recorded X amount of songs, but only you know this amount made it. And I'm, I'm always curious, like, what happens to all that other stuff? Like, you guys just throw it away or just tuck it away and never do anything with it. So for you guys to be able to, you know, bring out this, like, you know, the stuff that just been sitting on like a hard drive or wherever for this like long, it's finally awesome to be able to, to tap in and listen to that older stuff. And then even with the garage cast, I, I think, for anybody who's a terror fan, I think that's like uh, some like great listening to be able to, to hear you guys talk about like, you know, th those records um, in depth, like what was going on at that time and hearing you guys talk about each track, you know, like you guys are just kind of going through it. It's seriously something super awesome. And for me being a fan and I, even just a fan of podcasts, I, I always think it's uh, really awesome to be able to tune in and get that perspective from you guys and hear those old stories. It, it's like super awesome. Cause like back then when I was, or, you know, I, I was around, but like, I didn't know you guys. I'm not friends with you guys like that. So to be able to hear your guys' stories, it's really fun to, to be able to kind of just sit in and listen to you guys talk about that stuff. It's cool for me too. Cause a lot of that stuff just gets forgotten or to hear someone else's perspective, even someone that I've spent so much time with, like Nick Martin to hear their perspectives on things are different than me. And we always, you know, there's certain songs that I don't particularly love and they do. So to hear their spin on it, it's, it's cool for me too. Yeah, I remember I was listening and you guys were talking about that uh, the track "Are We Alive," and I was just like thinking, I was like, man, I was like, that's like one like one older song that I would love to hear live, and then just to hear you guys like <laughs> talk about that, and I was just like just laughing. I was just like, okay, I was like, who knows if I'll ever hear it live, but I can always like hold out hope. I'm gonna say probably not, but you never know. Never know. It, um, <laughs> it's all good. It wasn't a direct no, so I'll I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> that's good enough for me. Um, you guys put out the the demo on tape with uh, Streets of Hate out of New York. I was curious how that yeah, came yeah. together. Shout out my buddy Alex Casey. I'm trying to think. I know I hit him up and asked him to do it. I mean, I've just like <clears throat> tried to stay in the mix of what's going on. And I, if I had my, I could show you. I have a tape collection and a boombox right here. Mm -hmm. Um, I just really like tapes. And, you know, something, my memory is telling me that 
we noticed that our demo was not up on someone probably wrote me a direct message like how come your demo isn't on spot digital spotify and shit like that so i was like huh that's interesting we should probably put it up there and then i think nick jet our drummer had the thought like you know we've it's our demo but when we put it out we put it out on cdr like mm -hmm. we were burning cds because tapes weren't cds were the new thing and or I don't know if they were the new thing, but they were the the go-to format and that we had never put it out on tape. And I was like, oh, that's cool. We should put it out on tape like a proper demo should be in my old mind. And I had been watching that Streets of Hate was putting out these cool tape releases because I'm always interested in stuff like that because I grew up on demo tapes. And I think I just wrote him and was like, hey, we're going to, we want to put out uh, the demo on a cassette would you be interested and he said i think he said yeah right away and that was that simple that's awesome i i think it's cool that you're um, still like in tune with what's going on and you know to be able to pay attention and know about streets of hate because sometimes like you know people uh you know band gets bigger they uh, you know don't have time or they just don't pay attention for whatever reason so for you to to know about them i i think it's super cool well thank you i don't know what to say <laughs> i just like I like hardcore, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I look at the, the like the current lineup of Terror, and it's just like you know you, you guys are awesome as, as as a group, but then individually everybody uh, has like their own other bands. Uh, so I'm just like, damn, like I I, I I don't think like you know me and my friends really talk about it too much, but it's just like you guys are just like like this crazy like all star like super team of a band, and, <laughs> uh, and, and it's cool because you think about um, you know obviously you on um, Terror, and then you have like World Be Free. And then, um, uh, bass player, uh, it's Chris now, right? Yep. It, Cruel Hand. I, I know they're slated to put out some like new record. And then, yep. uh, uh, Martine, uh, uh, shout out to Like It or Not. I love that band so much. Super yep. fun. And then, like, Nick Jet, uh, Piece by Piece is, oh, like, I've, I've never seen a bad Piece by Piece set. So, shout out to, <laughs> to, to Piece by Piece. And then, uh, Jordan, you know, obviously, No Warning is, like, super awesome. Like, I, I think that band is, like, really cool. And I was happy that they came back and did a bunch of stuff because I was, uh, you know, fortunate enough to be able to see them on, on that run because before when they were active, um, I was just too young and didn't live anywhere close enough to be able to see them when, like, they were, like, you know, like, first doing stuff. So, uh, I, I, I look at you guys' lineup and it's insane to think about, like, you know, all the other stuff that you guys are doing outside of terror on top of being in terror, which is like already super awesome. Yeah. And we had David who has down to nothing. Who was fucking amazing. You mm -hmm. could just go, we had first blood people. Shout out Carl. Frank, what Frank was in integrity and ringworm and then went on to hate breed. And, um, Todd Jones has fucking Dude. nails and all Insane. the amazing stuff he does. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not, very talented when it comes to music i can scream loud and jump mm -hmm. around like a fucking weird little monkey but um i've been blessed to be around some really really driven and talented people so uh for for you to think it's cool i think it's just as cool and i'm i'm really lucky there's uh, one band that you did that um, you guys put out a record but didn't really do anything with um it was um sos yep and Never played a show. Yeah, um, I, I had on Sam Trapkin a while back. I, I asked him about it just because I, I I love that record. I, I thought it was like super cool, and 
I was just curious, like what it was like for you to record it. And from your perspective, like how come you guys never did anything? Um, or is there a chance maybe in the future at some weird point, maybe something? Um, I think the whole thought process of that was wanting to do something with Matt Henderson, who is the uh, ex-guitarist for Madball, who wrote all the early stuff, I think up until Hold It, up and in, including Hold It Down and maybe the New York Hardcore EP. Um, I just became friendly with him over the years. And just in my head, I was like, I want to do a do some sort of project with him. He agreed to it. And then from there, I got BD from Hatebreed playing bass, who's one of my old, long, like oldest friends. And obviously, Hatebreed's one of the greatest bands ever. And then um, getting Nick involved because he's just amazing. And Sam and am I forgetting someone? I think that might that be it. it. I think that's that might it. Be it. Yeah, it was just you know people were friends with and. Um, just kind of like you called terror an all-star lineup. That's like, you know, we both know that terms a little goofy, yeah, but that's sure. like, that's like a serious one. And um, yeah, it was just for fun. And, and uh, Reaper put the seven inch out and we never played because honestly, like think of, think of those touring schedules mm-hmm. trapped under ice, hate breed terror. And then Matt, who's the person that is not really in a band. He's got like a, a real full-time job and a, a family and children. So it just, we, we talked about it and tried when the record came out, maybe a playing a fest here or there or something going to Europe or something. And it just never happened. And then by the time you know it, the record's like three years old and now it's like 10 years old. So who fucking knows? Damn. It really is that old. That's crazy to think about. Cause <laughs> Because for me, I, I I still listen to it from time to time because I, I think it's awesome, but I, I never thought about it. Yeah, it, it actually is that old. But trying at the time, trying to get a time when Hatebreed, Terror, and Trapped Under Ice were all free at the same time was impossible. For sure. Yeah, 100% because you guys are all kind of just doing your own thing and um, or even just trying to get you guys all under one roof. That would be um, yeah. pretty crazy. <laughs> But um, you also uh, sing for another band, World Be Free, which I think is awesome. And you guys just put out a new record back in November. Can you talk about yep. like what um, how you joined this band, and like you know, was it important for you to start like a, another project? Were you just wanting something else um outside of Terror? That was that was me starting it, and just um, I listened to so much stuff like Lifetime, Dag Nasty, Gorilla, but melodic stuff. Mm-hmm. And every band I've ever been in is just metallic, hard hitting, hardcore. And I just, at a certain point was like, I want to try to do something metallic. And, uh, same thing just went to people I thought could play like that. Getting Sammy from judge or judge and youth of today, but more metallically like rival schools and stuff like that was a big step in that um to me it was going to be something like sos where we just put a record out Mm -hmm. and sammy was like i'll do it but i I wanted to make sure it's not just like this little project where we just put a couple songs out he really pushed it to be a little more serious and we did a album on revelation which for me someone 
that grew up worshiping Revelation was great to have a record on Rev. And we did do a little bit of touring, but again, my fucked up back kind of got in the way of things when, when we really put the record out and we're going to try to push it more forward. I had some sort of issue that fucked everything up again, my old beat up body. So, um, yeah, we put out this new stuff. It's really cool. This, this is a 12 inch EP. It's only five new songs. And Chuck Reagan from Hot Water Music, Walter sang on the first record, which was amazing. Chuck Reagan sang on this record. So to me, it's just like a totally different vibe and something cool. And, and I love the music. It's, it's really cool for me to do it. Yeah, no, it's it's um, a cool record to listen to. If you guys haven't listened to the new record, uh, One Time for Unity, go check it out. It's up everywhere. Uh, so I, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, I, I like listening to you know all, all types of music. So when I heard you singing for that band, I was like, oh, this is like pretty awesome. Yeah, super fun for me, and and something that's outside the box. It's it's a little work for me to get my voice to be able to do some of those things. And like you know, like uh, my mom. I've said this before, but I told my mom I'm doing something a little more melodic, and she heard it, and she just to her it's exactly the same as Terror. She's like that's just still crazy music. So to the average listener, it's not really that different, but for me to hit some notes and be able to actually sing a little bit is a little difficult, but very uh, rewarding, I would say. Okay. Hell yeah. That, that's awesome. Well, I, I enjoy it. it. It's awesome. So just, you know, keep, keep that going. Cause I know um, you're, you're living on the other side of the country now, but it's, uh, it's, it's common for, you know, band members to not live where the band's from, if that makes sense. Yeah. We got a Canadian in our band. We got Canada, uh, Toronto and Maine link lives in Maine. I'm talking about Tara now. Mm. I'm now in Buffalo and then two dudes in California. So we're all over the fucking place. And, uh, you guys are spread out. Is, is there ever, uh, any like, um, like hesitation, do you think um, that will play a factor into um, obviously we're not right now, but like uh, when things are able to like your guys' touring schedule, do you think things will just be normal or will you guys uh, take it easy since you guys are all more spread out? I don't think that'll have anything to do with it. I mean, we're, we're uh, touring less than we used to, but I think when we get the chance to tour again, we'll be ready to roll. Oh yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure like everybody's looking forward to that. And it was uh, definitely a, a bummer, um, especially this year, since it was the 10 year anniversary for keepers of the face, or excuse me, keeper of the faith, but it was awesome that you guys were able to do that live stream, especially um, to have their dare there as well. Yes. The almighty dare. Yeah. That was like, obviously that wasn't the, uh, uh, in a normal year, we probably wouldn't have done that, but that was the, the closest we could do to play a show. So, yeah, I think it came out cool. We definitely didn't uh, try to do this big production where uh, we acted like we were playing a show, um, kind of pointed inward, more like a practice or a jam, and just kind of went with that vibe, which to me is more of a terror thing than than a you know, not knocking anyone else, but I've seen some other live streams and I think we kind of did it the way that was best for our band and, and what kind of energy we have. hundred percent. And shout out to, um, SOS booking and one nine seven media, all those guys working hard to, you know, 
keep stuff going during like the whole, whole pandemic uh, with their Q and A's and these live sets. It, it, it takes a lot of work and uh, for them to, you know, keep it going and putting out that content for everybody just to try to keep like, you know, the hardcore spirit alive. I, I, I think it's awesome. So um, shout out to them for doing that. Yes. Thank you very much to them for having us. Yeah. And uh, you guys could have just done the live stream by yourself. Uh, you know, um, how was it that uh, Dare was there with you guys? Because uh, awesome band, I love Dare. So for you guys to bring on a, a like a newer, younger band to, to do that with you guys when it could have been anybody else, I was curious, like you know, how that happened. That's all me loving their band and loving those people. So I just wanted them to be there, and they agreed to do it. Hell yeah, and that's awesome. I seriously like that you are, uh, you know, uh, wanting to put on like a newer, younger band to kind of give them that. Um, space because obviously like a lot of people tuning in maybe people tuning in aren't familiar with dare or aren't dare fans so for you to to put, to put them out there like that to try to get in front of new people i i think it's really important and, and cool for you guys to do that i think it's important too and thank you for recognizing it i just you know i band, young bands that come along keep me feeling young and remind me of why this is important to so many people young and old and uh, I think there's a good balance of listening to old bands, but you know, there's, there's people that only listen to the old stuff when they were around and think new stuff is garbage. And I think there's a lot of younger kids that don't maybe go back and see the history and the roots. So I, I believed that there's gotta be a balance and unless you are with it now and understanding now is what's happening and keeping this alive but the roots is where it came from. So to me, it's, it, it's all a balance of old and new and even the stuff in the middle, like hardcore in the eighties, nineties, two thousands. And now all listen, all sounds different. The style is different. The lyrics are different. What was important was different, like the content. So I think if you're going to really be part of this and make this more than a fad and make it part of your life and who you are, you should, go through all of that well damn scott this has been awesome and kind of surreal because you th think about i got into hardcore because I, I have an older sister and she showed me terror so you guys were like the first like actual like hardcore band that i listened to oh that's cool yeah and this was like i think like 2002 2003 she, she was like on the computer and she's like hey like i think you'd be into this kind of stuff uh checked it out and i was like hooked from the start so terror has always been a special band for me and to have you here on the podcast, it was really important for me to to do this and for you to be down and willing. It, it, it's, it's super awesome. And, uh, you know, I'm very thankful that you were here today. Uh, thank you for having me. That's cool about your sister. And, um, yeah, I hope you get the vibe. I'm just a normal idiot like everyone else. So uh, if you want to ever have me back, let me know. And if you want any of those contacts to any of those people, um, that we talked about, let me know. hundred percent. I, I definitely will follow up because I, I, I do want to have those people on, but um, I, I really appreciate your time. Uh, before we go, is there anything you want to say or shout out? Um, no, I think we covered everything. Um, I just hope everyone's being uh, safe and keeping their mental health as strong as they can. I know this year has been pretty fucking crazy and uh yeah hopefully you know i i think people are like think that i'm like 
need to play a terror show right now Mm -hmm. and that's not really my mindset still but uh i would love to go to a show right now like i would love to see dare play right now that would that would be great to you know go to a show and see people and feel that energy and see dare play would make me super happy but um you know terror's in a good place we're all just waiting and there's no rush when it's safe to play we'll be ready to go all right. Well, seriously, thank you again. I, I appreciate you having on. Thank you guys again for tuning in. I, I really appreciate everybody supporting the podcast and we'll be back soon. 